Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Max here. During the recording of this episode, my computer crashed. Thankfully, we didn't lose all our audio, but we did lose the last few minutes. Uh, Just so you know, the end of this episode will end sort of abruptly, but the rest is totally fine, so please keep listening. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of the Step Over podcast. Uh, I am Jim Adair. With me, as always, is Max, Bad Lieutenant Rappaport of Call New Orleans. It's a Werner Herzog. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what that. It's, it's that, a. I don't know what that reference is, but it took a long time. Yeah, it's a Werner Herzog Nicholas Cage movie. It's quite bad, um, or quite good. Who can really tell with those two? You know, they're a hard nut to crack. Uh, it's our first time back in a little bit. Uh, the holidays. The end of sentence. Uh, the holidays happened. We were uh, busy with stuff like that. Max uh, went to L.A. because. He's a West Coast guy, and like people just go to LA all the time, right? Is that what happens? That's what we do. Yeah, it's yeah. Just what you that's do. what we do out here. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that's it. So now we're back. Uh, so expect tomorrow morning. Well, we're recording this uh, a little bit later in the evening on Thursday. By the time you hear it, it'll be Friday morning, most likely. So later today, expect a uh, Markel Fultz news drop. And considering the fact that it's Friday, expect the news to be bad. And we apologize for that. But it happens every time, and I say this every time as a joke, and then it comes true, and I don't find it fun anymore, and it's very frustrating. It's sort of like our our podcast is sort of like a rain dance, but the rain is like acid rain. (laughs) It's like very unwelcomed news every time. It's never good news. I mean, there's been a couple trades, I guess, but for the most part, it's like bad injury news, I guess, because it's the Sixers, and that's just the news that uh, tends to happen is bad injury news. One of my favorite REM songs is about acid rain, I think. Mm. But again, Michael Stipe, who knows with that guy? Tough nut to crack. Anyway, um, should we just like um, it, uh, pretend that we got Fultz news and just talk about it as it happened anyway? I was thinking we Let's could do, do kind of the bit. We could assuming. do the bit from the Super Bowl last year where we uh, talk about both possibilities. What bit? The possibility. What are you talking I'm about? I'm sorry. I mean, when we analyzed the results of the uh, of last year's Super Bowl on the podcast yeah that was not a um, bit but uh i was thinking we could talk about the two possibilities and then uh edit it out later well, we could talk well, about well, the possibility where uh he's having surgery to end the season or the possibility where he'll be reevaluated in three weeks do you think those are the, what the two possibilities are yes I would, i'd be surprised if the announcement on a friday tomorrow because they said it was gonna be this week so i'm assuming it'll be tomorrow uh or over the weekend, that if that is the news, maybe they'll wait until until uh, Sunday and do it during the Eagles game. Uh, but I am assuming if they've waited this long, it, he is not going to... The news is not going to be Marco Fultz is returning to action in the next few weeks. If they wait for Sunday, the news is going to be, we can't find Marco Fultz. <laughs> we don't know where he went. We don't know what's happening. We can't find him. Uh, I think there's one option, and that one option is uh, things are progressing. We'll reevaluate in three weeks. Because... Now, maybe this is me reading into it, and maybe you read something different. But uh, So the thoracic outlet syndrome, it seems like it, there's two possible reasons, and again, not doctors, uh, that the, the thoracic nerve is being pinched, right? 
uh, one of which is just because of the physiology of the, your body and you're just genetically predisposed to that. Another one is that you have the extra rib, uh, which a lot of baseball pitchers who tend to get thoracic outlet syndrome will have the surgery to remove the extra rib to alleviate the pinching and the pressure and whatever. But I never saw any mention that Fultz had that extra rib problem. So I don't, and maybe he did, maybe it was just like not brought up or whatever, but if he doesn't, I don't think that surgery is a fix, correct? I mean, again, not a doctor. You, not a doctor. Well, that kind of doctor, but doc, not a doctor. I'm also not any so, kind of doctor, but... You're more of a doctor than I am, that's for sure. Um, I would guess... I, I would just have to think that he does not have that extra rib. This is like the dumbest conversation ever. It's like <laughs> the most useless shit. We're just like uh, making vague <laughs> guesses at Mark Fultz's anatomy. But I would have to think that if he had an extra rib that uh, causes thoracic outlet syndrome and he was having all these symptoms, the idea that it took them a year and a half to figure out what was going on with him is like even more ridiculous. If you take an x-ray of him, you're like, oh, shit, there's an extra rib in there. <laughs> you would think they'd figure out the problem a little sooner. You'd think. But who knows, man? Doctors. Tough nuts to crack. It's my new catchphrase, by the way. I'm working on it. Sound off in the replies on how much you hate that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, though. That I, I, I agree with you, though. That I think uh, 95% is a reevaluating three weeks update. Yeah. It'd be a real a real uh, curveball if uh, they finally if they change number from three weeks to something else. It's always been three weeks. Uh, but... Let's let's just go. I'm I'm rearranging our planned topics here, which I, again, guys, this is might sound crazy. We do kind of plan this. Doesn't sound like it. Every once in a while, we really don't plan it, and sometimes we really do. This is like a soft plan for this one. Um, the team lately, uh, ignoring the fact that Markel Fultz uh, even exists, which is easier than it would seem from the outside, because um, sometimes I forget that he exists, uh, has been playing. Up and down, uh, which is, again, what the team does. Didn't say again. I don't know why I didn't say it the first time. Uh, but something that I think is worth talking about a little bit is they've been very bad on the second night of a back-to-back this year, which, you know, it's everybody's tired. Teams are bad on those typically, but they have been especially bad at it. And they've been... It's been very, very good how amazing they've been at home because they have not been good on the road. Now for years, I said this way, way, way back when that when the team was in his deep process years, you would have these moments when they would play up to really, really good competition at home. And it really only happened if the place was full, right? When they almost beat the Warriors and Harrison Barnes bailed them on a last second shot. We went to a game where they played the LeBron Cavs very, very, very well. Just these packed houses full of the fans just seemed to elevate the team's game. Now, a lot of those guys aren't here anymore. Uh, and But it seems like some of that might still be true, right? That the team as a whole performs better in front of a crowd that really has their back. And that's good. But the negative of that is how far it swings in the other direction when they're on the road. Now... If they keep winning the way they're winning at home with that winning percentage they have at home, they can survive this season and do pretty well with that. Uh, I think I looked at it since, I don't know the exact total number of games they had, but uh, since January 1st, 2018, they've lost five home games. Wow. And I think they've played 50-some. That might be overshooting it, but yeah, they're doing, they've done incredibly well at home. They had that huge streak at the end of the year. A lot of those games were at home. Uh, do you think the playing on the road so poorly in front of opposing fans is really something to be worried about, especially if they don't land a top four seed going into the playoffs? Um, I, I guess I don't like, I, I think, I think it's a little bit, I think there's going to be a little bit of a regression to the mean. Like, I, I just can't imagine that uh, the disparity that you've had over the last calendar year is like really accurate like it's just the fact that they've what are they like you just said like 48 and 5 uh in the last year and change at home like that just yeah, that, somewhere that just in seems unsustainable and also that didn't hold up at all in the playoffs really um correct i just feel like that's a little more like fluky than anything and they also played a lot of home games uh last year when they went on that streak so 
I don't know how much mm-hmm. I really buy into that. Like, I'm just looking at it now. It's like they're 9 and 12 on the road this year. Like, the Celtics are 10 and 11. Uh, the Pacers and Raptors, who are right ahead of them, are 13 and 9 and 14 and 8, respectively. Um, the Bucks are 10 and 7. Like, that's a swing of two or three games, and you're basically talking about an identical record. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how much I really like see it as a problem. Um, I think I think the bigger problem is just how up and down they've been. Like it doesn't feel like the home road thing is the bigger problem. It feels like it's very hard to predict where the team is going to be at. Like, I, and it's funny because, as is often the case with us, with me in particular, I'll say something definitively on the pod that I've noticed over the last handful of games, and then uh, inevitably the team will do the complete opposite of that thing. Like I think I said, "Wow, they've just been." This is like two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever. Like man, they've been really consistent. It just feels like you expect them to win most games, and it's you're not having these huge, uh, like these times down the stretch where they just come up really short and fall apart. And then they had two and a half weeks of basically doing that whenever they would lose a game and almost losing some, yeah. some close games uh, that they they ended up eking out. But just like not just being so inconsistent even within games, uh, which I feel like wasn't the case earlier in the year. Yeah, let me ask you going back to the home road thing for a quick second. Uh, you said how you think they'll regress to the mean a little bit. Do you think, but aren't you a little bit worried about that regressing to the mean and whatever the opposite of that is going up to the mean, right? So if, instead of being, you know, four games below 500 on the road, say they get around 500 there, but are you a little bit more concerned that the road, the home wins will drop and that those won't really, the away wins won't really make up the difference? Uh, I guess where I see it is is they're probably... Uh, they probably should be closer to like where the Celtics are this year. The Celtics are 15 and five at home, 10 and 11 on the road. And, you know, basically right where the Sixers are at record record wise or a game and a half back. Like if that's the regression that they, you know, lose three games at home and win three more on the road. Like, I I think that's more what I'm talking about is uh, it feels like there are probably other factors that are playing into this more than just, they're particularly good at home or good on the road. Like I, I don't know how much I buy that generally in, in basketball that like certain teams play well at home and certain teams play well on the road. That's fair. I know you wanted to talk about Shaman a little bit, but we do have some questions about uh, the bench. So if you don't mind, we can push that to later because I just uh, wanted to bring something up very quickly since it's already been talked about to death and I've already kind of twice removed myself from the situation. Um, and we, we were kind of in a, in a little hiatus when this went down, but the Jimmy Butler and, and Brett Brown story, mm. which I thought was um, not, I wouldn't say it's poppycock. I'd say it's somewhere between poppycock and balderdash. It's just a little bit of, you know, it's some horse hockey is what's going on there. Uh, it, it came out as a sensationalized, sensationalized thing. And uh, the idea, because Brett Brown in the story said, I don't care. And I understand the idea that Brett can't in this story be like, well, fuck that guy. But also, you got to give Brett Brown benefit of the doubt that he's not just like a a weak liar man who needs to defend himself and cover up for things. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. And I get he's the coach and he's a position of power and he's kind of under a microscope as the leader of the team. But if Jimmy Butler says nothing happened, people go, oh, well, maybe nothing happened. Well, not Jimmy Butler because he's Jimmy Butler. But like... If there's a story about, say, you know, TJ McConnell and Brett Brown having it out in the locker room, and TJ goes, oh, well, nothing happened. People will be like, all right, well, nothing probably happened. But if Brett says nothing happened, it's like, oh, he's covering his ass. Like, I don't, I don't buy into that. Uh, so I thought it was a whole lot of nothing, really. And you want people to be heated and arguing a little bit and caring, really. Um, but something came out uh, today, yesterday, that said, essentially, that in the heated exchange or whatever you want to call it, it wasn't even necessarily that Jimmy Butler was saying, I want to do this, we got to do this for me, blah, 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 that he was speaking up for T.J. McConnell or nudging T.J. McConnell along to argue uh, something here and there. Uh, and I just want to get your take on this. I want to say two things mm-hmm. first and kind of see what you what your response to that part yeah. is. Um, it's good that someone like T.J. McConnell, who the fans love so much and who everyone in the locker room seems to love, uh, is getting the support of Jimmy Butler, and that kind of puts a you know an arrow in the ass of the Jimmy Butler's locker room cancer idea. 
But I think TJ McConnell's role is perfectly fine where it is. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I sure I appreciate like the the rah rah teamness of it, but I think it's I think he's cool. I think yeah. it's fine. I, I well, I, I guess what I'll yeah. say is I, I think you were kind of comparing like what would happen if this had been TJ McConnell, and after the game they asked TJ McConnell about it, like. I think if this had been, I use wait. Yeah. I just can I just say I'll, I'll just say why I use McConnell as an example because Butler's got this yeah, stigma of a locker room cancer. People already want to think Ben Simmons is an asshole, whether they have evidence or not. And Joel Embiid is the superstar of the yeah. team, so if he says something, you you get to take his side anyway. So that's fair why enough. I went to McConnell. Just so, just to put that um, out there. Fair enough, but I, I guess that's. I guess I was thinking like Embiid would be the one I would compare it to. But you're right about that. Uh, but I think the fact that it's Jimmy Butler is the reason that people are having that like dismissive attitude about Brett Brown's comments, right? Like people are already prone to to see Jimmy Butler stands up to Coach Brown and curses him out or whatever, and think, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. this is happening here too." And then when Brett Brown gives a comment of like, "Ah, right. oh, it, it was nothing," you know, it's just like, you know, my guys and me talking, and that's how I run things, and like. It's easy to to hear that and go like, oh yeah, that's like what he has to say. But you know, it, it, I don't I don't fault people for hearing that story, uh, given everything that's happened with Jimmy Butler last year and being worried about that. Like, definitely, I was concerned about that when I saw it. No, I, think I, that's I was fair. I was when I clicked on the story and then saw Brett Brown's quote, it made me feel a little bit better. But I still don't totally mm-hmm. buy that. Like, oh, like it, seeing that doesn't didn't assuage all worry that possibly Jimmy Butler is like not the most like stable dude in the locker room. Sure, that's fine, but I don't know. It's just I it, I I think it's part of it is I from doing this for so long. By doing this, I mean caring about this team, even when they were so bad and everything was so dysfunctional. You get to a point where you have to be able to just decide to not care about certain things, right? To be healthy for your own brain. Um, and when I saw that, I'm like, you know what? I'm deciding that I don't give a shit about this. And if shit happens, shit happens out of my control, certainly. So I'm deciding to not care. And part of it brought up something, too, that I thought for a while that I don't think necessarily was mixed, maybe not necessarily in this case. But for the longest time, a lot of media, local media especially, and then also some national media, treated Brett Brown like a child. Mm-hmm. Like he was someone who needed protecting yeah. and looking out for. Like, how how dare Sam Hinkie do this to Brett Brown? How dare they not you know, this and that. And he's a grown ass man who took mm-hmm. this job by his own choice. And he's a good coach. And if you want to say he's a bad coach, that's fine, but he's still a grown ass man. So I don't think he needs protecting from people. And the fact that people immediately jumped and were like, Oh, he has to say that he's obviously lying. Got me in, in that kind of I, I agree a little bit as well. I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, I agree also that, uh, I don't think TJ McConnell needs any additional gassing up in terms of, uh, what his role should be on the Sixers. Like it is, uh, it is a big enough role already. And I, I am not sure yeah. where that was coming from that Jimmy Butler was <laughs> nudging TJ to like, no man, you gotta, you gotta tell him, you gotta tell him you need more touches. Like, I don't know. What could he possibly have even said in that meeting on, on TJ McConnell's know. behalf? Cause also that's the thing. Like we're not in these meetings. We're not behind these closed doors, but like what could possibly be going on there where people were thinking like, TJ doesn't get enough respect from Brett. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, it's a contract year for him, right? So maybe there's an idea in the locker room or, or work talk around the team that, you know, maybe he's getting less minutes because they want to pay him less or, mm-hmm. who, you know, who knows what. Maybe there's rumors going around the locker room. But, like, as a fan watching the games, he's getting as much as many minutes as he should get, and he's playing the role he should be playing. Uh, because I think we've seen, and I'll, I'll go to this point, and I think you would probably agree with me that sometimes he's like, he's like, I don't know if I'd say really good, but sometimes he's, you're like, oh, TJ's like doing a really good job, and he's playing above mm-hmm. his station a little bit. And then the more he plays, you're like, oh, that's the Russian to the mean, and then falls apart a little bit. At the end of the season last year, he was an absolute mess. Uh, so I, I think he's, you know, he's. He, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't mean to insult him. I like. He seems like a good dude. Like him enough as a player, but like he's he's the friend you have from like high school, who like all of your college friends hate, and you're like, oh no, he's fine in like small doses. It feels and that's very what you like specific. say to like defend him. 
I got a lot of those friends. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 who TJ is. I feel yeah, like. well, I feel I feel like TJ's role um, is perfect so, yeah. in, in honestly in more the role he had earlier this year, where sometimes you just wouldn't play him, and you would when you did play him, it was when the matchup dictated it, and when he would come in and have energy and and look good, and you go, okay, let's ride this a little bit. Um, yeah, but. having to play him 20, 25 minutes in the game is not ideal. Like that being the. Uh, out of necessity because you don't have any other point guards on the roster is not the position you want to be in. Right. Yeah. And like, and you know, he's done a lot for this team over the, over a long period of time. He's now, I believe one of the, cause I think Embiid's the longest tenured sixer sixer. So he's one of the, probably the second longest tenured sixer. He deserves, you know, respect. He deserves a solid paycheck after this. He deserves a lot of things, but many, many more minutes is not one of those things. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on a little bit. There's a lot of uh, there's the second returns for all star votes came in today, uh, and we can talk a little bit about the rest of the league if there's any uh, points you want to make about say I don't know someone who's like massively undeserving uh, who might play like in Miami whose name might be Dwayne Wade or something, uh, but currently uh, Embiid and Butler are both top five in. Uh, front court, and I think Simmons is number five in the back court. Now, this is just fan voting, so those numbers will be massively changed once media and players get involved. But do you think? Well, start with this: How many of those three do you think will get the All Star team, and how many do you think deserve the All Star team? Um, I would say that Embiid and Jimmy Butler one hundred percent get in. Yeah, uh, and I say that because Embiid just because he's completely deserving, and I don't think there's really any question that he'll start in the All Star game for the East. Uh, Jimmy Butler more so because he's fifth in fan voting, um, and I, I think he'll get he'll get a lot of the uh, the coach and or the player and media vote, um, media and media and uh, player vote. Yeah, I don't think he'll get much of either of those things. I always I always forget what. It's media and player, right? And coaches are just media and player. Kind of, I don't think, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see him getting those. See, I think he gets those because his reputation is that. It's like I think he gets the votes from like the vets who've known him for a long time. But I think a lot of the younger guys in the league, a lot of the guys he's played with, will not vote for him. A lot of media people see him as this spoiled brat, for lack of a better term, and they won't vote for him because there's one thing media people in when it comes to this and year-end awards are is that they are petty as hell. Here's the question. And uh, if they don't like you, they will make you, make sure you know that. So here's the question. So three players make it in the front court from the East. Giannis and Kawhi are locks. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid makes it. Those are your starters. Well, we're, we're, we're talking starters. starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, here, here's just in the voting. I know this is for starters, but after that, you have Jason Tatum, number four, which is a joke. He's putting up like 16 it. and six on decent efficiency, but like, like Al Horford is more. Telling deserving. you right now. Uh, so you have Jason Tatum, then you have Jimmy Butler, then Blake Griffin, who actually probably should be an All Star this year, then Vince Carter for some reason, then Gordon Hayward, then Pascal Siakam, then Al Horford. Like, I think just based on the formula of how it works, like Jimmy Butler being fifth or possibly fourth in fan voting, like other than than Blake Griffin. I don't know. I, I just think he'll end up high enough that I, I think it's hard to justify not putting him on the all-star team. Um, like, I don't really know who else is even in the running beyond those 10 guys. Like, is there someone we're missing who just hasn't gotten fan votes? Cause I, I don't see, Here's I don't see the, like about... outside of the three who are going to start. I don't see more than like two guys who are really deserving who need to be on the team. Here's here's what I say about the fan voting. Everyone, you know, saying this and that about, and I said it earlier about how things will even out a little bit. But certain people that won't, you like, do you honestly think that the player and media vote won't go to Vince Carter and Dwayne Wade? Nobody's going to vote for Vince. Will. No, but Vince Carter's not. Vince Carter fans, and Wade aren't going to get in there, though. I think I, Dwayne Wade's going to be an all. I think. Uh, I don't. I don't see how that happens. Like. What media is voting for for Dwayne Wade for All Star? He's averaging fourteen points on forty two percent shooting. Uh, media people who minutes. who want to honor this all time great and want to you know feel like a, they're putting a noble vote into the world that'll happen. But that didn't that didn't happen. Like did 
I'll look it up. Did Tim Duncan make the All-Star game his last season? Didn't Tony Parker make it a couple of years ago? Or no, not maybe not Tony Parker. He's still playing, obviously. Who am I thinking of? Manu? Maybe Manu. Manu was close, I, I think, that year. I don't think Manu year. made it. Fucking Kobe didn't deserve it his last year, but everyone gave him fucking Kobe votes. I just don't he trust did, he a lot not, of, you He know, did not make it his final season. He did make it his second to last season, uh, okay. although I think that was fan vote only. And he was averaging fourteen and nine and three, which is better than what Van Wade is doing. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't trust the collected veteran uh, NBA media to not want to throw him a bone as like some kind of like, you know, going away present, which I think is stupid. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like if you talk about like Vince Carter, like Pascal Siakam is a lot more deserving than Vince Carter. Totally. Yeah, I, Pascal Siakam, other than Jimmy Butler and Blake Griffin, is probably the most deserving. Maybe Jason Tatum, but it is like the most deserving uh, on that yeah. whole list. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I, guess, and I think you know you'll always see. I mean, maybe less of media because they're they're nationwide, but you always see this skews towards the larger market teams as well. But yeah, I, I could definitely see there being some like negative feelings about Jimmy Butler, but the reality is he's he's putting up eighteen five and three. Uh, on a good team shooting 47 from the floor, 39% from three and gets to the line a lot. Like, I, and he's a good defender. And I, like, yeah. I, I, I could definitely see him not. Uh, if there were other players who were deserving this season, um, I think 18, what did I say? 18, five and three is not like, oh, he's a lock to get in. But I just think like, right. given the vote, given the fact that the, the rest of the crop is pretty bad uh, and you'd have to put, I mean, I guess if Vince Carter's making it, then I, I drop from 100% to lower than that. But I just don't see that happening. Also, Dwayne Wade doesn't necessarily affect uh, Jimmy Butler because you still need to field a team that makes some sense. Like, there's still positions still matter a little bit. Right. Um, in terms of guards, it's, I think, a lot stronger. So you, I, I think Ben Simmons has. Actually, Max, let's. let's... Let's pause right there. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get back, and we'll talk about Ben Simmons' chances and if he deserves it or not. Baseball. Truly, it is awful. I'm Phillies writer Justin Clue. Join me every week, along with John Stolnes, Liz Rocher, and Dr. Trevor Strunk, as we discuss all the ways the Phillies have hurt us on our podcast, Hidden Season, as well as historical anecdotes and raw emotional ramblings on our other shows, Continued Success and The Dirty Inning. Subscribe to The Good Fight, and you'll get conversations with insiders, analysis of breaking news, and stats. Stats! Stats! Together, we'll survive whatever baseball can throw at us. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. All right, so Ben Simmons is fifth in guard voting uh, for the All-Star team. Uh, that's where Dwayne Wade comes into play. Uh, but what do you think his chances are? Uh, I think they're pretty good. I think I don't see um, I don't see media not voting for him. I could see the players maybe. I mean, maybe players don't like him as much as we think. And, you know, as much as everyone, you know, belittles the fan vote, and it does, the fan vote does suck, uh... And says that the fan vote is such a popularity contest. We saw in the like since the, since they in, instituted the the player vote. Look at those numbers too, and it's very much a popularity contest with those guys, um, which is to to be expected because when you're playing in the NBA, you're not sitting around watching four or five games a night because you're working. Uh, so that makes sense. But what do you think his realistic chances are to, to make the all-star team? And do you think he deserves well, it? This I year? do think he deserves it. I think it's a little bit tougher because I think Kyrie's a lock. He's first in fan voting in the guard spot. Um, yeah. I think Kemba's a lock. A lock. I mean, um, I think he'll get the other, the other starting spot jumping Dwayne Wade, who's now second in fan voting Kemba's third. 
Then you still have Victor Oladipo. You still have Kyle Lowry, um, Bradley Beal, I guess. Like, I, I think there are enough guys who make yeah. an argument. Um, and I think I think Lowry, Oladipo, Kyrie, and, and Kemba are guaranteed. And that's four right there. And then if there's anyone else yeah. I'm missing, which I might be, because I'm just looking at fan voting right now, and then you've still got Bradley Beal, you still have some other players. Like, I, I could see Ben Simmons falling out before I could see Jimmy Butler falling out, even though I think uh, Jimmy, I think Ben Simmons had a better season than Jimmy Butler, arguably. I think so too. And I think Ben deserves it more. Um, I mean, he's got a, he's got a tough road. All those guys in, in front of him obviously also deserve it. But I think like last year, um, his best chance might be in a, in, as an, in an injury replacement role. Um, and it's just, it's nothing to do with him playing poorly. It's just to do with, uh, the stigma around him not shooting jump shots, which people, some people see that, and within Sixers fandom and within national fandom and probably within the league as well, see Ben Simmons doesn't shoot jumpers, and in their mind that equals Ben Simmons stinks, mm-hmm. which is balderdash. That is balderdash. That's not even close to poppycock. That is straight up balderdash. Um, and I think that's this going to stick with him a little bit. So I could see him getting his maybe an injury replacement, but I think he deserves it more than Butler, honestly. Um, and I just don't know if he's going to be there this year. So I think we had our over under before they traded for Butler. The over under for a number of all stars we both said on this year was one and a half. We both said over, thinking it would be uh, Embiid and Simmons. I would still take the over, but I think the more likely pairing is Embiid and Butler and Agreed. no Simmons. Um... And Redick, I don't think, has any chance. No, I think he's he's deserving in a similar way that uh, that Wade is. Not to say that it's like a pity or like a farewell vote, but part of the reason that Redick, people feel like Redick deserves it so much is because he is unsung. Like if he, you know, if he was already like a three, four time all-star, People, people wouldn't look at him in this year and be like, oh, man, he should be an all-star. But it's the fact that he f- people feel like he's been underappreciated and all this stuff, that that that's why. And I feel like, you know, he's having – really, the, he's having a, a one of his career years like he did last year as well. But the fact that he's now fourth in line on this team uh, and he's on a team that – we had a question about this. We'll get to this too. That gets a lot of attention – uh, and not all the attention it gets is positive, even when they're doing well. Um, I think that there's a zero to one percent chance that JJ Reddick gets it. And that's like if cataclysm strikes and spontaneously half of the uh, Eastern Conference like snaps an Achilles. So uh, I think he's borderline deserving. But not quite there, and I don't. And I think all that aside, he's just straight up not going to get it. Yeah, and I think honestly, if we if we bring injury into it, I'd probably put Jimmy Butler back at about a hundred percent. And I think even Ben Simmons, I think there'll be more than just one injury reserve. And at that point, I think Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler both get in. Yeah, I mean there were a bunch of reserves last year. I can't remember who kept getting hurt, but it seems like every time there was a reserve, everyone in Sixers Twitter was like, oh, this is it. And then it was just not it. And then not it. And then not it again. Yeah. I think was, then, was, was Kemba reserve last year? He may have been. I know. I, I remember Goran Dragic being the one people were upset about. It was like, the because last that was one. the, it was the last spot. Yeah. It just kept that. There just kept being so many injury reserve. And it was a lot of guards too. And then yeah. Ben Simmons just kept getting passed over each time. Every time. Yep. So, Speaking of Ben Simmons, um, there's a thing people have been talking about. Um, it was just uh, texted to a group that we have, me, you, our friends, Patrick and John, uh, about, I don't know where this came from. Maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't. Actually, I know you don't because we talked about it before we started recording. Uh, but the idea that there would be a, an Anthony Davis-Ben Simmons swap. Uh, now... I haven't thought about this a ton, so I don't have a concrete, strong feeling either way. But you replied in the text thread that I think you said I would do that in a heartbeat. And I will give you the floor to explain. Uh, Anthony Davis is like the second best player in the NBA. 
and he is uh you make like, a good point sir <laughs> he is uh like 25 years old or 26 years old or whatever it is uh so i would feel pretty good about getting him uh, i would need to like feel pretty confident they're going to be able to bring him back but i think the difference in money that you'd be able to give him combined with the fact that he'd be on a winning team for the first time ever uh combined with the fact that he's young enough that you have no apprehension about just throwing him the five-year max at the max mm-hmm. money you can give him would make me pretty confident in making that trade um i also think it makes it immediately makes them uh probably the favorites in the east if they have a a a big three of Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, I, like I said, I don't have a really strong opinion either way. Uh, there's already – or not, there was talk uh, before Butler came in, when the Butler trade happened before he started playing, you know, the classic, oh, there's only one ball to go around talk. Now, that's not necessarily a huge problem. They need to involve Butler in the offense a little bit better, but – Ben Simmons is not a jump shooter. So unless he's at the rim or he's passing the ball if he's not at the rim. So he doesn't really play into the, there's only one ball to go around thing. Anthony Davis is more of a, a pure offensive threat. He's a great, amazing defender as well. But like his skill set is that of a, like a kind of a jump shooting wing a little bit too. And he's very strong in the post as well. But do you, are you a little bit worried about that concern you with Embiid, Butler, and Davis, and also would bringing Davis in as someone who does shoot the ball at jumpers but play well in the post as well, does that concern you with the spacing with Embiid, especially since Joel Embiid seems to be unable to decide whether he likes shooting threes or not? Honestly, I don't even give a shit. He's so good. Like, I don't think it matters. Like, if, if we're looking at... Again, like, that's a fair point. They're fifth in the they have the sixth best record in the NBA right now with Simmons and Bead and and uh Butler, and they haven't even had Butler the whole year. And that on its own doesn't really fit super well anyway, because Simmons can't shoot. Jimmy sure. Butler's actually been a good shooter this year, but he's hardly like a he's not a catch and shoot like knockdown guy. He's a good shooter with the ball in his hands, and he's not he's not a floor spacer, I guess. And and obviously Embiid is, you know, he can hit some threes, but that's not what he does. Like, it's already not super maximized for what you would ideally want. Like, if you could replace Jimmy Butler yeah. with even, like, Bradley Beal, who's probably a slight downgrade this season, like, that would be a better lineup in terms of fit. Um, Anthony Davis yeah. is just such a huge upgrade over Ben Simmons right like in 2019 that I just think it doesn't even matter. Like, you're just immediately a finals yeah. like the the favorite for the finals um i also think it works because i think anthony davis does space the floor enough and i think it allows uh mb to just you know, play in the low post and um i mean the defense is just ridiculous too to have Jimmy yeah. Butler, anthony davis and mb on the on the same floor. let me ask you this people seem very excited at the idea of trading ben simmons and also very excited at the idea of trading jimmy butler uh, because their brains are scrambled. Uh, but if that is the case, would you rather have a big three going forward? Everything, everything in place. So, so you're talking about future roster implications, future salary implications is, are, are as they are today. Like it's not a magical cure. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have your big three of Butler, Davis, Embiid, or Simmons, Davis, Embiid? Simmons, Davis, Embiid. For sure, I agree. Uh, I just think that's yeah. that's better as longer, better long term value. The Jimmy Butler contract coming up this summer. I don't even know how much I. I mean, I, I want them to just bring him back because they've given up value, and I think he's a good player. But that scares right. me. The idea of having Simmons for an extra year at no money is awesome. I'm gonna throw something at you that I like stupidly texted a friend uh, while I was in L.A. Just kind of like oh, it wasn't me. Great. It wasn't you. Uh, I, it was too stupid even to no. text you. Uh, so this is a this oh boy, is a, this a, is a low three-way bar. trade that my brother and I worked out. I want to know what your thoughts are. I'm not, I'm not even sure if I like this trade, but I think it's interesting. This is a great start. It's a three-teamer. You've got the Pelicans, you got the Clippers, and you got the Sixers. So Do we get Boban? We do not get Boban, unfortunately. Oh, well, then I'm so out. So two Clippers. And for that reason, I'm out. To the Clippers, you got Jimmy Butler and Mike Muscala. To the Sixers... You've got Anthony Davis, Lou Williams, and Tobias Harris. To the Pelicans, you have Ben Simmons, Wilson Chandler, and Markel Fultz. 
The Sixers are giving up Ben Simmons, Wilson Chandler, Markel Fultz, and Jimmy Butler, Mike Muscala. They're getting Anthony Davis. Uh, they're getting Lou Williams. They're getting Tobias Harris. And they will have $42 million in free agency to spend in addition to having Embiid and Anthony Davis on the roster. Go get Kevin Durant. You're using you're using my like for Tobias Harris against me. Also, also it, that team honestly. would be fucking awesome this year. It would be Lou Williams, JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, Anthony Davis, Embiid, and you'd still have most of the. I mean, like all the useful players in your team minus Ben Simmons and Butler, which is which is basically TJ McConnell oh, and Landry. Man, Shaman. yeah, the bench is still fucking trash. You actually made the bench worse. Well, I guess you bring Lou Williams off the bench, and then that technically makes your bench better. And uh, TJ McConnell starts, or you or you get someone in the buyout. So isn't market. your starting? So then is your starting five? Then is it TJ, Tobias. JJ, Tobias, AD? That's really God, good. That's good. And then Lou, Lou off the bench, uh, and then whoever you get in free agency. And then, but then the, the the real thing is that you're freeing yourself up to have Anthony Davis and Embiid, and then. You can bring back Tobias Harris and the Williams if you want, or go balls to the walls and try to get KD or Kyrie or Clay or Kawhi or whoever. I don't see here. All right, so let's all right, so let's break this down then. I don't trust any mm-hmm. of those guys to go anywhere. That's my problem with this. I don't trust Kawhi's decision making. I don't know what the hell he's doing because the idea is that he's in Toronto. So right now, all right. So the two most likely opportunity things for Kawhi's team. Stay in Toronto, go to LA, and everything else is like a wash, right? Clay's not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know what the hell KD's gonna do. KD's leaving. I don't know if he comes but, to the Sixers, but that that's a. I don't know, man. That's a that's yeah. I I think a lot of guys would want to play with Embiid and Anthony Davis with like a clean cap where you can just kind of set it up however you want. Man, how many um, people wanted to play with Boogie Anthony Davis though? But Boogie, Boogie isn't Joel Embiid, right? But and, like, and also it was New Orleans. It was the Pelicans. How many people wanted to play with Anthony Davis? Period. Yeah, it was the Pelicans, but it's Anthony Davis. LeBron and like to play with Anthony Davis. But here's the thing: Orleans play everybody. <laughs> you talk about New Orleans, like oh, it's New Orleans. Like if I'm rich as hell, I'd rather live in New Orleans than Philadelphia. But nobody's ever gone there. Like for whatever reason, they only had a team for like five weeks. Like come, on. I don't know, man. That I would need guarantee. I'd need to guarantee the eighties here long term. Because you're giving up you a this. lot, man. I'll you're ask you this: if if you did that, kept Lou and Tobias, and then signed, let's say even like JJ Redick or someone like one other guy, like to a, you know, role player deal, would that roster be better than what you have now? If you had him, yes. Anthony Davis, Tobias, Lou Williams. JJ Redick, and then like fill out your bench with minimum contracts, and then you also yes. have Shamit and whatever in your picks, yeah. and Zaire, yeah. and whatever. No question. But right now, the way this team is constructed with Jimmy Butler here, you have a uh, a team that is simultaneously going for it now and built for the future. Right? I think that you, team's you brought... built for the future. You have uh, Anthony Davis. Is no, that team is, that team's boomer bust because if you don't get AD to stay long term, that's fair. Then you're left with Joel Embiid and a ton of money, and that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a goddamn Tobias thing. Harris. Yeah, and a bunch of money. You can give TJ forty million a year if you want to, I guess. But like, there's no guarantees if you have a ton of money. Ask half the teams in the damn NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. That's all. That's a lot to give up with a, a lot of non-guarantee there. Because right now, you know, all injury concerns aside. Worst case scenario, you still have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. In this case, after all of that, the worst case scenario is you have Joel Embiid. You're 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 taking a negative there, which is still better than we were where we were in 2012. Right, but it's 2019 now, yeah. man. I am no longer in my 20s. I'm too old for this shit. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a an intriguing proposition. It's definitely it was. It's a move I would be all over in two K. But yeah. I don't know, man. That's a big. Well, I never a do that move risk. in two K because it, no matter how much it makes sense for your team to re-sign the guy you just traded for, they never do it. It's like no, 
you've just won like three back-to-back championships. It's like, okay, I'm going to bring back the rookie I drafted like seven years ago. And then you try to do it. And it's like, he went to the Pelicans for $10 million less money yep. to win 30 games next year. I watched LeBron go to Dallas, oh, yeah, I man. I never trust that. It was wild. Um, it's rough. Um, yeah, let's take, we're going to take one more any, break so, and then head uh, into some dude, questions. Just before, before, sure. Yeah. I, well, one, one more thing before we go to break. Um, is there any deal, given what you've seen with Jimmy Butler at this point, uh, knowing that you're going to have to pay him this summer, is there any player or set of players who you would trade Jimmy Butler for at the deadline? Because you can do that. You could kind of flip them if you if there was someone else you thought was – like let's say Bradley Beal was available. Would you flip those players, knowing that also you lock in Bradley Beal and there's no risk of him leaving? I don't know, man, because it's, it's weird because – I'm of the mind of this is why I'd be a bad GM, right? It's like you just traded assets for this dude, and if, if you're going to flip him, you better damn well get someone better than him. And it's hard to do without adding something else to the deal, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, then you're looking Be- at better though. I mean, you're talking. There's, there's you also become, like long-term value and whatever, right? But then you become and the other, You become the other side of the flow chart, right? Where instead of being the team that turned three or four minor assets into a big player, you turned four or five mid to high assets into like a pretty okay to pretty good to great player. Like you become the other side of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you become, you know, uh, the, what was it? What was the deal where... There was a long, like, fucking long-ass deal where... Was it the Mellow trade where the Knicks traded their entire starting lineup for Kamau Anthony, you mean? Not even that. It was like when... I think there was it was a Thad Young-Kevin Garnett thing where, like... Oh, in the flow chart. Yeah, it was just... It's like you, you just... You, you spend, like, five years, on, like, chasing this, this line of moves, and it just... You break even at best. And you don't have to be rebuilding to always get equal or slightly below or better of a deal. And the big concern, because what bad teams do, and this is how teams turn from good teams to bad teams very quickly, is being very much on the wrong side of a deal. And when you give many assets for one person and then turn that person and another asset into another person, you better win that fucking trade. And if you don't, then it's very, very, very bad. I think right now, the thing is, like, I don't know why it's like everyone just got their Halloween candy and is so hyped up on fucking sugar that they're going from one thing to another. Like, I want that now. I want that now. I want that now. You just made this trade for me, Butler. He's been here for, what, 20-some games? And people want to flip him immediately. Not only that, that shows the rest of the league that you don't know what you're doing. Unless you, like, again, unless you massively win a deal. And I just don't think that's the move to make because if that was the move to make, then what you should have done is not trade a Jimmy Butler and use those same assets to get the next thing you're going to get anyway. I think that's a sign of uh, organization and a GM that doesn't necessarily know what they're doing or is willing to just get distracted by the next shiny thing on the horizon. I- and it's I know it's it's bad practice to say, you know, you bought this, you got to live with it for a little bit, but you kind of got to. Well, it's, it's kind of sunk cost. I mean, I also don't think they need to trade Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying, like, I want them to trade Jimmy Butler. I'm just saying... If you get to the deadline and there is someone available who makes more sense on the roster than Jimmy Butler, and there is a three-way trade to be had where you, some other team gets Jimmy Butler, uh, they give assets to the other team, and that team gives you like CJ McCollum or Bradley Beal or whoever it is who's just a better fit. Um, does that is that not something you should consider, especially considering the free agency aspect of it? The fact that he is going to hit free agency in five months seven months whatever it is uh I-, I want them to bring him back but if he were to leave that's when you really fuck up like if you could have flipped him for something for someone who's on the who's on a contract and you don't and then he goes and signs with the knicks or something that's how you that's how you mess up is you just gave away covington in charge for nothing well he messed um, up signing with the knicks in this hypothetical situation that's true but he could still do it for the clippers or whoever like but i think that's just you fucked up, and though. I'm also, That's and I also, GMing. I also, totally. But you could course correct now if you felt like that's a pot. If you feel like okay, now that we've been with him for 
four months we're feeling like that's more of a possibility than we consider at the time like that's they fucked up if that's the case but i would rather them like do something then not like hopefully he signs back uh, also i i feel like from what i've seen thus far i have been really happy actually with the way jimmy butler's fit um and i'm and this isn't like a locker room concern or whatever i just i see times when he and this is like i guess just like confirmation bias but i see times when he is not playing up to the standard that i expect him to play to and that everyone does because he's an all-star or like a many time all-star i see those games where he struggles or those stretches where he struggles and i just get these like terrible visions of him being our elden brand who we throw a ton of money at on a long-term deal and he's just like a year or two into that he's just not the same player and now you're fucking stuck well then if that's the case then i'll say what i said before like if you're gonna make that deal you better win that fucking trade because even if you come out and i mean if, if you trade butler and then he immediately falls apart then like you win no matter what but if you flip him for lower value just because you're afraid his body's going to give out on you, then you shouldn't have made the trade in the fucking first place. And that's just bad. Totally. That's bad management. It's bottom line. So, and some of this is just me, you know, this is like already what I was worried about before they made the trade. And then since they made it, I've like been happy with how he's played. So I've convinced myself it's been fine, but it's still like in the back of my mind that I really worry about that happening. And I, and I see like some signs of it, right? Like he's just not, He's not dominating game. I mean, there are a few flashes. Of, there have been a few games where he does seem like a dominant superstar player, but for the most part, he's like a really, really good player, but not. He hasn't been that dominant guy that you want to give one hundred ninety million dollars to. Yeah, well, I don't think. I mean, he hasn't even been here for half of a season. That's how I see it. That's fair. It takes people time to learn to play with other people and to figure it out together, and. If everybody, especially after trading for somebody, not even that, if if teams operated under, you've been here for 25 to 30 games, uh, and it's not working, we're going to flip you now, the league would be an absolute disaster. You got to stick. And like, it'd, be, it'd be my league. And what, like what has... We, we, people spent literal years preaching patience. And using that preaching of patience to put themselves as smarter and better and, you know, more wise about the game than everyone else just to want to pull the ripcord immediately. And I just don't understand it. Those are all fair points. And also you have to consider the fact that uh, Brett Brown needs to give Jimmy Butler and TJ McConnell the fucking ball. Especially TJ McConnell. That's a, that's a factor, too, the fact that he has yep. been... Able to, able to dominate the games because him and TJ just haven't gotten the touches they, they so desperately need and deserve. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back and we'll take a bunch of questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to move the phone I'm talking to you on, Max. I got to see my computer screen. I'm doing this very professionally. Um, all right. So I'm going to go. And, uh, oh, here's a good one, actually. This is a new one that got since the, uh, since we put this up, this last call for questions up. Um, where'd it go? No, it vanished on me. All right, well, let's take this one first then. Uh, Vitor Mello asked if we trade Max for Wilson Chandler. This is, uh, we have two Wilson Chandler questions, by the way. People are very excited about not liking Wilson Wait, they're Chandler. they're trading me for Wilson Chandler? They're trading you for Wilson Chandler. Who's the biggest loser in this trade, the Sixers or the Stepover Pod? Can oh, I just man. say, Max, I love you. The Sixers are the massive loser in that trade. Hey, my salary is a lot less than guy. $12 million, though. They save a lot of money trading for me. Yeah, but... They could pay me at least half of that, and I'd be happy. At least half? <laughs> at least half. I, I'd be, I would take six... I would take $400 from the Sixers if they're listening. Uh, no, I bet you Wilson Chandler is a pretty good podcast co-host. I'll say that. I would say, again, Max, I love you. Wilson Chandler is probably a better podcast co-host than you are Damn. an NBA small forward. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that, a crazy... I thought the sentence was going to end insult. before you said the last part. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, 
All right, here's another one. Well, Wilson Chandler one. Zachary Amato asked, is Wilson Chandler the worst starting player in the process era? God damn, a lot of Wilson and Chandler heavy content here. Here's the thing. If you mean like everyday starter, well, I'll just say this way. If you mean like person who started a game, no. If you mean everyday starter, also no. Are you guys on crazy pills? Remember how bad this fucking team was? Let's take a second here. I brought, I pulled oh, shit up. Receipts? Everyone needs to, everyone's got to take a goddamn breath. Yeah, he's not great. Let's talk about people who started games fucking last year. Or not last year, sorry. 16-17, right? In 2016-2017, Gerald Henderson started 41 games. Okafor started 33 of the 50 he played. Sergio goddamn Rodriguez started 30. God. Nick Stauska started 27. TLC started 19. And that was just two years ago. Let's go the year before that, right? Ish Smith started 50 games. He's actually better. He's actually better than, than Wilson Chandler. Uh, Okafor started 48 of the 53 he played. Isaiah Cannon started 39. Stauska started 35. Jakara Sampson started 18. Hollis started 17. Carl Andrew started 12. Kendall Marshall started 6. Let's go year before that. It's ridiculous, you guess. Luke Paamute started 61 goddamn games <laughs> oh of the 67 he played. Michael Carter Williams started 38. Henry Sims started 32. Jason Richardson started 15. I actually like Jason Richardson. That doesn't count either. Furkan Aldemir started nine, nine fucking games. games. Holy shit. Brandon Davies started six. Tim Frazier started three. Larry Tim Drew Frazier started one. Tim Frazier is honestly and let's go the- way better than Wilson Chandler. It's not even close. He is. Let's go one year before that. The first year of the process. James Anderson started 62 games. He Daniel Orton started 29 minutes a game, James Anderson. I'm look, I, I pulled up James Anderson because I honestly, if you had asked me yeah. how many seasons James Anderson played with the Sixers, I would have said seven. Like, it felt like so long. He played one <laughs> year with the Sixers. Did it not feel like he was on he the— He was also 24, and I was pretty Wait, he was sure he was 36 years that old year. back then? Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There have been many, many, many worse players that have started for this team in the last handful of years than Wilson Chandler. I know y'all don't like him right now. I know you think he sucks. But have some goddamn perspective, guys. Come on. Sorry, Zach, for yelling. I got very excited about that question. I'm sure you're a very lovely man, and I hope you keep listening to the podcast. Um, old man Scallywag asks, give your honest assessment... This is semi-related. Uh, give your honest assessment of our bench as it is right now. Uh, it stinks, and I don't like it. That's it. Uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it stinks. It's bad. They're, this is not a playoff bench. This is. I mean, you shorten the rotations in the playoffs, but God forbid you got to go to some of these guys in the playoffs. Not great. Korkmaz is a decent shooter who hits shots when they don't matter, and he can't play a lick of defense. Uh, Landry Shamit's good when he's good. When he's not, he's okay. Doesn't really play that much defense. I like him a lot as a player, but like, he's not a playoff seventh man. He's just not. Uh, you, Markel Fultz is a ghost in the wind. Uh, this Mike Muscala. Zaire's coming back, baby. Zaire, Zaire's Zaire Smith is thinner than I am right now, and I mean that not in like physical thinness because obviously he is. He's an athlete, but like, he's seven inches taller than me. He probably weighs less than I do. Like, he's got to put some. He's got to get some some carbs in there uh it's not a good bench and they're in that this is like and to be fair last year wasn't a good bench either they made two minor additions that everyone salivated over up to the first two months of this season in uh bellinelli and and Ilyasova, and things got better they, they weren't great but they got better so i think the same thing will happen this year the, the buyout market has to be it um also speaking of the bench before we move on Am I crazy for thinking that Amir Johnson deserves more playing time? Like, should given how bad the bench is, that Amir Johnson should actually play a little. No, bit. I think Amir Johnson's perfectly fine. He's not bad. No, he's perfectly fine. He's not bad. Another person people hate. He's better than Mike. He's better than Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala sucks, and yeah. and is not hitting shots. Like, no, I I know that Amir Johnson takes like seven seconds. Like he he's like a 18th century gun. Like it takes him yeah. like a minute and a half between shots to reload. But oh, musket. He's a musket, but like I, I think that's actually a good nickname. I like that, the it's musket. A bad nickname. I like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I honestly think at this point they should consider going to him over Mike Muscala because Mike Muscala gives you nothing. If you're a 
6'10 power forward who is absolutely mm-hmm. useless unless he's hitting corner threes, then I don't understand what your your place is. Like, I, I know stretch four and everyone's shooting threes and stuff like that, but, like, if they're not hitting, you got to be able to do something for the team, and he can't do anything. He plays, like, solid low post on-ball defense, but outside of that, and it's not even really that good. So, I never thought I'd see the day where you'd turn on Mike Muscala, by the way. I hate to do it, but it has to be done. Yeah. Uh, She's not good. Most chicken wings we've eaten in one sitting. This is from mm-hmm. Joe underscore Sif 66. I'd say somewhere between 15 and 25. I don't count, you know, I don't, but somewhere yeah. in that range. I don't love chicken wings enough to have ever eaten oh, more love than wings. like 15 of them, maybe. Yeah. Um, like I've never, no, I'll... I've never like tried to eat a lot of wings, and I also just never like them enough to like, unless they're like Korean barbecue wings or like Calbee wings or something. If they're, if they're just like buffalo wings, I, I can eat like 10 of them before I'm kind of sick of it. And that's like tops. I probably put down like close to 30 Thunderbird wings in Delco, honestly. That's probably the most. I can tell you right now, like, I don't know the number, but when I ate the most in one sitting, they were definitely Thunderbird wings. Because my friends and I, we used to get, just like order like 150 and just go to town like a bunch of animals. This is the point where my computer crashed and our audio got ruined. So this is the end of the show. See ya. See ya.